to thank God as we come to the very end of our series, nine-part series on unction to function. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Unction to function. And God has taken us through a journey of eight topics. This is the ninth and the final one. And um, I want to encourage you to go to our YouTube page, subscribe to LifeGate Outreach TV so that you can be getting the messages as soon as they're uploaded. And more so, you can also download, we have over 200 messages on podcasts on the iOS platform or the uh, Android platform. Please make yourself, make uh, avail yourself of those resources. They are free. Just subscribe. We are a very blessed church. Not too many churches our age. I'm not trying to compare, but I just want us to be appreciative of what God is doing. The truth is that what many of you don't know is that the young man that helps us to do the audios and put them on for the past, uh, since 2017, for the past four or five years, has been doing it without a cost whatsoever to the church. Some of you would not know these things, but we need to be saying them. He has been doing it on his own. He downloads them, he puts them on, and we're almost on every platform. He committed to doing it even when he left the country. He went abroad and was still doing it from from the Middle East. And when he came back into the country and he was posted up north to work, he has been continuing to do it. Let's appreciate God for the life of that young man, his family. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings. In 2019, I said, let's take this thing over. We need to be paying for this. You know, we we are expanding the thing. We were just on one platform. He said, no, sir, I commit to doing this, and I just want to keep it that way. May God continue to bless him. I said, may God continue to bless him. Every blessing we receive here, surely he gets wherever he is. In the mighty name of Jesus. So we want to thank God for that. So it's available. Let's go there and... uh, Let's let's subscribe to them. You can listen to them on the move on the move. You can listen to them if you download some of them to your phone or all of them. You can always listen to them anytime. So it's good to follow those series because they come many times as a package. You see, we are a teaching church, so we don't just appear on a Sunday and do something. We are mandated to teach the people to raise with God the people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity through the teaching of the word of God. So we are very emphatic about what we teach. And who teaches here? Not because we call ourselves anything, but because that's the assignment. He said it is an assignment. And uh, I know from my little education of uh, uh, little knowledge of education that when you give an assignment, there are parameters to which you must stick. You shouldn't go over certain word limits. You shouldn't use certain references. You shouldn't do certain things. And if you do them, you fall foul. So we are obeying God in this assignment exactly as He's giving us the pattern too. With all due respect to all our brothers and sisters who have different forms and styles of worship. Uh, because everybody has to stick to their assignment. And may God continue to help us to truly emerge as a people he is raising in Jesus' name. So today is the unction for enduring legacy. And you know, as I always say, many of these things we have to try to compress them to the minimum time we have. But these are very, very deep truths. And one of the privileges we have in this church is that when we preach a thing on a Sunday, we follow it up every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. We spend a few minutes again as we pray to share on those topics. And also on Wednesday, we have the opportunity to come and ask questions at our midweek service. And they're all held online. 
So we should have no reason whatsoever not to be a part. And so if you need the details to know how to log into these things, please make sure you see either Brother Folari or you see Dr. Ephraim, Brother Yemi, or Dr. Moses. Any of the pastors here, they will guide you as to how you can be a part if you are not yet a part. So this unction for enduring legacy is one that God laid on my heart that we should round it up with. Because you see, life doesn't end on this planet. Many people live life as if it all ends here. If we have an understanding that there is a life eternal which goes beyond this place, it changes our mindset. That is why you will find it. I find it difficult to be in a tussle with a person. I find it very difficult to strive with a person. Ever since I had the understanding that this is just a, a spe- it's like I, you know, it's like I come to your house now. It's not my house, but I come to visit you. And then, can you imagine that? I come to your house, bro. God's power, and then we're talking, and then we started arguing there, and I'm arguing there. I see that is my house. Is that not foolishness? And I refuse to go anywhere, and I'm arguing with you. Is that not foolishness? Knowing that I'm leaving very shortly, you know, whatever it is, we try and settle it quickly, and I go back to my house. Every one of us must understand that we have come from God, and one day we are going back. So when we are in this place, God mandates us to leave what we, what he calls an enduring legacy a legacy that will outlive us in this time and even speak in the life eternal way after we have left this place because one day whether you like it or not no matter how young you are no matter how old you are one day one day you will exit this place Many people are afraid to talk about that one day. But there's nothing to be afraid of if you truly believe that you have lived the life he has called you to live here. Very recently, I went to bury my 86-year-old who almost turned 87 on this earth uh, last month. Uh, father, and um, it was it was amazing when they were lowering his, the casket of his remains, and I could see the whole fifty some fifty one years that I can remember, about fifty years that I, I can remember very well of his life, just flashed through my mind in a few seconds like that. It's amazing stuff, and that was where it ended here on earth. But the assurance we have, obviously, is that. He reigns with the kings and those saints that have gone ahead of us. And he has left for us, he has left for me, an enduring legacy. And so this morning, my charge to us is let's follow what God wants to teach us in this matter. We have said that the unction means inspiration and enablement. Unction refers to inspiration and enablement. And the Bible says in Job chapter 32 verse 8, we have read that so many times, can we have it projected? There is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There is a spirit in man, say with me, there is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. So man's spirit has no capacity in itself to have understanding whatsoever. Thank you very much. Has no capacity in itself to have understanding whatsoever of the supernatural. It has been given a natural tendency to know natural things, to know how to walk, how to talk, those natural things. But there is some aspect of understanding of the supernatural that the breath of the Almighty gives us. And this is what this function uh, series has taught us all through. Amen. That the breath of the Almighty gives us. And this is what this function. So the unction of the Holy Spirit enables us to live an enduring legacy. The other verse that we need to read is 1 John 2.20. We have read it throughout the series. 
He said, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. So the unction of the Holy Spirit, among the many things we have checked it doing for us, has helped so us. This media check the projections that's going online. We need to have a very uh, fo clear focus about how this anointing helps us to look into the different things he has been speaking to us. And as we look at enduring legacy today, it is something that a legacy really is something that is left or handed down by a predecessor. It is handed down or left by somebody who has gone ahead. This is why we read the story of King Solomon, whose legacy was from his father. He received a legacy from his father, and we're going to look at that a little bit some more today. Now, God's desire is that we are a people or enduring legacies. God does not want us to be a people who live only for the now, only for the today. The truth is that one day, as I said earlier, when you leave this earth, you will leave this earth with something. Everybody lives here with something. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, you live here with a story that people will tell about you. You live here with an impact you have made, whether subtle, whether at a grand scale, like the whole world would know of certain people, or just a, cop, a family will know about you, or just a nation, a, 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 a people group in a community, your neighborhood will know about you, or the Christian body, or other people, business world will know about you, but you will leave something behind. What God wants us to do is to ensure that we live in such a way that we are leaving behind not just a legacy, but one that will endure. Not just one that will last. Endurance in the things of God doesn't just mean lasting. It means one that will continue to create a generational impact in the things that interest God. So I want us to make that very clear. Psalm 145 verse 4. Can I have that? Thank you. So I want us to make that very clear. Psalm 145. The Bible says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. David's life, I want us to examine his life today, was one that demonstrated a fulfilled lifetime and also an enduring transgenerational legacy. The Bible makes us to see that over 3,000 years until today, Legacy. The people of this world the talk Bible about the legacies left by David. This man that was a very phenomenal man in his time. Not a man you would call perfect by human standards, but a man, God himself said, was after his own heart. So you cannot discountenance the fact that David was a man who touched God in ways that many people did not. So we want to quickly look at his life today. Was a man who Acts chapter 13, among the many times the apostle talked about him, verse 36. Let's read it together. This is one of the things that Paul said concerning this man. He said what? For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. That is to say, his body saw corruption. His soul, the soul of the, of the righteous man, does not see corruption, does not see death. It is only the soul that sins that sees death. 
the soul that sins will die, but the soul of the saints is translated into eternal glory when they leave this place. So the Bible says, David, having served his own generation, this is what I pray for myself and what I pray for everyone that has come my way, that when you eventually, when we eventually leave this world, it will be said of us that we call your name, having served his generation. David, this is very simple for me because David is my name as well. David, having served this generation, he fell asleep. David, having served his generation, he fell asleep. So every one of us must walk like this, to be a people who serve our generation. Not just with our vocations and our God-given talents, but with the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. In this church, we believe and very strongly emphasize the fact that we have two sets of gifts. We have spiritual gifts and we have natural or vocational gifts. Everybody is endowed with this. As church people, we talk a lot about the spiritual gifts. The gift of prophecy, the gift of the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, the gift of uh, tongues and the interpretation of tongues, discernment of spirits and so on. And then gifts of administration and so on. We emphasize those things. But you see, the ability to do what you do vocationally it's a gift not everybody can do it not everybody can do it you think it's everybody that can teach young children i have been a teacher for many years but i don't touch young children it's not my strength at all at all i've known it i tried it one time when my wife first knew me the first couple of years i started an extramural lesson back in my home country I packed 11 children together. Within the first 30 minutes, I decided that I'm not doing this thing anymore. <laughs> they couldn't understand my language. I couldn't understand them. And so I knew that that was not my calling. Even though I'm, I'm supposed to be a teacher and a lecturer, the higher the level of teaching, the easier it is for me. I can chalk out, by the grace of God, PhD students like nothing. But don't give me young children. I don't have that capacity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is faithful. God is faithful. So you must understand that you serve your generation with all your gifts. God is counting on you to deploy. But you must use those gifts in such a way that you will leave a legacy that endures. I need you to be patient with me today because there is a lot we need to get through. In First Kings chapter 9, we saw that God promised to be with David's son, Solomon, if he maintained the legacy. First Kings chapter 9 verse 4. The Bible says now God speaking to uh, uh, Solomon. He said, now, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in what? Integrity of heart. We're going to come back to that point later on. And in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgment, verse 5. Let's read verse 5 together, everybody. He said, Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever as I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, look at this. God promised David, but God now came to the son who took over from David and said, you have to do the same thing. Keep my statues. Walk in my way. It is the way you will maintain this enduring legacy that I have already spoken into your family line. I have already said it concerning your father and it will be transgenerational. It will go from his generation through to yours to everybody else. But I need you to cooperate with me. One of the reasons why we read our text, I will explain just shortly, is because of Solomon's deviance and deviation from that legacy that was left. Caused God to put it on a servant of Solomon called Jeroboam. This is very, very important. No matter what you inherit as a legacy, 
if you don't allow God to help you to grow in it and follow the same pattern of those you inherited it from, you will find yourself not being able to fulfill that which God wants. First Kings chapter 11, we have read from verse 26 right through to verse 14. Pastor Lola led us earlier on to read uh, that, that Bible reading. But I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter of First Kings 11. Solomon was a person who started well. In fact, when we talk about Solomon in 1 Kings 3, we talk about him as somebody who reverenced God and asked God for wisdom and all that and so important. But he married a, the, the daughter of Pharaoh from Egypt. And from that one marriage, every other thing about his life became corrupted. He started marrying people from, from the, the Moabite region, the people from the Ammonites, those people who did not worship God and in fact enemies of Israel. And not only did he just marry, of course, he was drawn to the gods of those people. This is why everybody must be very careful who you marry. If you are going to marry somebody, that is if you are under the sound of my voice and you have not yet married, if you are already married, there is nothing we can do about that, we can only pray. But if you have not yet married, <laughs> praise the Lord. Don't say I'm giving you way out. No, you need counseling. If you are married and the person is drawing you away from God, you need counseling. And we can talk about that. But if you have not yet married, you have an opportunity in front of you to carefully select who you are going to marry. If the person you are going to marry will draw you away from God, no matter how good they are, no matter what it is they have, if God shows you that this one will draw you away from me, this is the point to break that relationship. Because you are in a very dangerous ground that somebody like Solomon walked and you don't want to repeat it. May God cause you to marry the right persons in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you are in a marriage, may God restore the love of his kingdom into your relationship in the name of Jesus. First Kings chapter 11, now let's read from verse 29. The Bible says, now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, met him on the way and had he had clothed himself with a new garment and two the two of them were alone in the field. Verse 30. Then Ahijah took hold. Verse 30 now. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him. Verse 30. Verse 30. 30. Ahijah took hold of the garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. Verse 31. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of who? Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of who? And will give what? Ten tribes to you. So we should never ever think that because we have inherited something, because we are born into a Christian family, because we have inherited something of a legacy that speaks, that God cannot do, cannot undo, even though he will continue to honor his word. God was not committed to Solomon anymore. Even though he will continue you want to walk in enduring legacy, God stay true to your commitment to God. As you have inherited it from whatever way God got you saved, stay true to it to the end. Pass it to the generations to come and watch God, watch what God will keep doing in your lineage. I say God will keep doing it in your lineage. In the mighty name of Jesus. And then verse 32, the Bible says, But he shall have one tribe. In the for the Jesus. sake of who? My servant says, David. Because the word that was agreed and covenanted with David is so strong 
that not even Solomon because can make God break that one. Agreed and covenanted he broke it over Solomon, but he kept what he had said to David. He said, for my sake, the sake of my servant David, for the sake of Jerusalem, hallelujah, which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel. Now, if we go on thousands of years later, now, why did God choose Jeroboam? Jeroboam came against. Jeroboam was a servant of Moses. Please read First Kings 11 when you have time. Jeroboam was a servant of Solomon. Sorry, was a servant of Solomon. And what happened was that Jeroboam, a servant, saw that Solomon was going after the God of the Moabites, the God of the Ammonites, the gods in Egypt, Chemosh, and all those kind of funny named gods. And Jeroboam, a servant, said, "This is not right." And he stood against the king. And God saw that this one has a heart. Jeroboam, that I like. A servant. He is not a descendant of David by any standard. And God gave him ten tribes. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. All you need is a decision to stand for the things of God. Then God changes your order. He changes your history. I've seen too many people who say, Oh, if no, if only I was not born into this family. I was I had this as a child. And I'm not trivializing uh, child abuse and those kind of things that people have faced in their history. But you know something? If you connect to God at any point in time, sincerely, genuinely, God can rewrite your story. If a servant can become king with ten tribes in Israel, there's nothing God cannot do. So you can start a fresh legacy for the children that you are giving birth to. Hallelujah! Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah! Let's give the Lord a big hand. You just need to work with God. The legacy that David left was so strong. Over 3,000 years later, a man called Hezekiah was sick and Isaiah was sent to him to go and tell him by the Lord that he's going to die. And Isaiah was a prophet known for his words, never falling to the ground. He went to Hezekiah. Hezekiah was no doubt afraid. He knows that Isaiah never misses a prophecy. And so he went and he begged God. He said, Lord, I want to serve some more. I have served you. I've done this. Give me some more time to live. We know that story in First Kings 38. Sorry, in Isaiah 38. But in verse 4, this is one aspect of the story that most people don't emphasize as much. We talk about the, 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 the going back, facing the wall of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and pleading with God and praising God and exalting him. But two things happen here. That we must not forget. That one and this one. He said, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, verse 5. Let's read verse 5 together. Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of who? Your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. It was not just the prayer of Hezekiah that gave him extra time. Go, please project that verse again. Verse 5. Verse 5. Isaiah 38. He said, Thus says the Lord God, the God of who? David, your father. David, your father. There is a covenant I have with David, your father. And as you have come back to pray, I reenact that covenant of longevity, that covenant of enduring legacy. And I give you more years. Hallelujah. 3,000 years later. Friends, let us make sure that whatever we do in this life, we are working with God in such a way that there is an enduring legacy that will continue to speak. Now, somebody will say, but what's my business? If I leave this world, I leave. Why should I be bothered about what is happening next? 
like somebody said that they were disturbing him about climate change, that uh, what is his business with climate change, that this was how his forefathers saw dinosaurs and that he didn't see dinosaurs. So what, <laughs> what concerns him with what will happen after now? Hallelujah. But the reality is that if you are going to live an enduring legacy, it means you will have a qualitative life at this point. Nobody will be able to leave something behind that they have not lived themselves. So when we talk about enduring legacy, it actually starts from you and what you are doing right now and how you are fulfilling life. The Bible says, and David, having served his generation, having been active in his generation, having been productive in his generation, having been a blessing to his generation, having been somebody that was known as a lover of God in his generation. It must be known of you. So we want to quickly look at how David got this unction for enduring legacy. It started in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 13 when God was looking for a king to anoint for Israel. Remember the story, famous story as well? God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse. And here was all the sons of Jesse lined up. David still out with the sheep in his typical fashion. And suddenly, Samuel was about to anoint those ones he saw physically were looking the part. David said, God said to Samuel, none of these ones. He said, Samuel asked, don't you have any other person? He said, there is one that is way out in the shepherd field. And Samuel said, go and bring him. We will not sit down until you bring him. Hallelujah. And as soon as David appeared, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 verse 12, God said to Samuel, now arise and anoint him for this is he. This is he. I say you are the one. I say you are the one that God wants to anoint today for an enduring legacy. In the name of Jesus. So if you are that one, look at what happened to David and will happen to you today. The Bible says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And read it with me now. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I decree, lift up your two hands where you are sat. That the same spirit that came upon David for an enduring legacy, by reason of the anointing, the presence and manifestation of the spirit that was represented by the oil on the day of David's coronation, but by faith we receive today by the action of the Holy Spirit, I decree that it comes upon you for performance in this life in the name of Jesus. And the grace to live an enduring legacy like David lived, so shall you live in the name of Jesus. Your name will pronounce good things in this your lifetime and in the life to come. In the mighty name of Jesus, so shall it be in Jesus' name. Three things we saw in the life of David as he was anointed after this great moment. Three things we saw in the Say with me, he had a lifestyle of faith. He was anointed after this great. He had a lifestyle of integrity. Say with me, and a lifestyle of diligence. Now, if you study very well, those of you that are very studious, you will notice that we touched on these three. Looked at the unction for productive labor. But I want us to look at it today as how David's lifestyle of faith, integrity and diligence caused him to live an enduring legacy and how we are also able to do the same. 
You see, when we talk about faith, faith is a word that has been so abused in our time, especially by modern modern day Christians, of which, of course, I'm, we are all part of today. But the reality is that faith is not just the thing we use to name something and claim it and grab it. It's not. We have been taught that many times. I believe it, I name it, I claim it, I grab it. Hallelujah. Faith is beyond all that. The Bible defines faith as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, there are many things that we have never seen and we will not see until we see God. That is the highest form of faith. The highest form of faith is to believe God that he exists, to believe God that he is because he's spirit. No one has seen God. So, but by faith, we believe. That is what, that is the level we should be taking our faith. The Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 level where it says set your heart on things above. How do you see things above? By faith. How do I know that my father is singing with the, the likes of King David and King and, and Apostle Paul and, and all those brethren that have gone ahead of us today? By faith. By faith. How do I know that one day I will also be singing with them? By faith. That is what your faith should be doing. And when you are focused on faith like that, seeking first the kingdom, seeking to please God in this life, what you are doing is you are building for yourself a foundation that will give you the opportunity to deliver this enduring legacy. David demonstrated by faith. The first clear demonstration of his faith. God bless you, Brother Yemi. In the power tower this morning, we were reminded of the story of David and Goliath. Just a chapter after this anointing. When everybody was moving back and was afraid that this man was going to destroy them and destroy all their legacies and everything that they have. David by faith rose up and said, I will confront this uncircumcised Philistine. And we know that by faith, God helped him to overcome that great giant. We are to live by faith like this. We are to believe God for who he is. The Bible says they that come to God, Hebrews 11, 6, must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We are to believe God. When you are doubting God and you are not having, it shows the fruit. The Bible says by their fruits, you will know them. Have you ever seen a complaining believer? Have you ever seen an unbelieving believer? I've seen many. He has just prayed. She has just prayed. But every confession after that prayer shows that they don't believe what they are praying. I've seen many. Many, many years ago when I was doing my youth service, what we call the youth service back in Nigeria, where you finish a degree program, you serve the country in the place they send you to for about a year. And uh, we use that time to really do a lot of evangelism. Those days, things were a bit different in that country. It gives you it gave us access to all the villages in the state we serve. So we were we went and we one of those missions we were praying for somebody that was to be healed. We just finished the crusade and uh, they brought some people to be healed and this particular person we took them to a room because they had a very chronic situation and we went into the room joined forces together in the spirit and we're praying and praying we were 21 22 maximum 24 years that time in age range we're young very radical none of us was married so we were ready for anything in the middle of the night we prayed and prayed after about two hours of praying we decided that we'll leave the person and you know we believe god and we left as soon as we stepped outside, one of the brothers said to me, he said, the only problem here is that this man has no hope. I said, leave me alone. I said, leave me alone. I don't want to hear from you. How can you pray after two hours and then you say he has no hope? What were you praying? 
So there are believers who just do a show. They appear in the church and do a show. They sing, they worship, they pray. They But in the heart of their hearts, there is nothing of faith. Just performance. Every one of us must understand that like David vocalized his faith. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And then he began to say what he will do. That is how your faith must be audacious. If you want your faith to deliver and endure for the generations to come, it must be audacious. Everything I've been declaring on this altar since 2013, I said in my faith, when I told you that a time is coming that if you don't get here by 9.30, you will not have a place to park and you will park on Green Lane or, or, or uh, Green Lane that way and Stafford Street that way and walk for about 10 minutes to get to church. Say it by faith. Uh, Somebody will say, Pastor Dave, don't, don't say that. No. We're, we're still growing. <laughs> you see, we're still growing. Don't say that. No, no, no. You say it by faith. You want to see the head of Goliath on the floor? You say it by faith. You say it by faith. You want your children to grow in faith and believe your God? You declare by faith in the house. If they see you declare it by faith and they see it come to pass, you bolster their own faith. This is what my, I saw my earthly father do many times. That man never had much, but he had faith. And I saw him many times declare and decree things that over time came to pass. So I believed right from age six. I saw him pray with fellow fathers and mothers that were in our church at that time for things to happen. And they prayed at times for six months. And with my own eyes, I experienced it with them. Since that time, I've been convinced that God has power. But if there were people who were covert about their faith and could not even express their faith in front of their children, they could not even talk about it, where would we be today? Every one of us must understand Psalm 78 verse 4. He said, we will not hide them from our children. We will not hide them from our children. We must not hide our passion from our children. We must not hide our love for God from our children. If we truly have it, our children must see it. He said we will be telling them to generations to come the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works that he has done. We tell our children how far we have been. You know some children, you when you look at some of your children and when they were giving birth to, you have to tell them where you are coming from. How far we have been. You know some children never saw you in the day that you were living in one room. Room. You just gave birth to them and they had big, big rooms and they think that that is how it started. You have to tell them where you are coming from. You have to tell them how faith got you to that place and how faith will take you from that place to where God wants to take them through. Tell them to their children. Tell them, the Bible says, to their children. He said, and his strength, all his wonderful works. Please put that Psalm 78 back for me. I like it. Psalm 78, verse 4. He said, and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Keep telling your children. The enduring legacy we are talking about is you consistently showing the life of God, the nature of God, his testimonies in your life, and declaring it to your children. Hallelujah. His testimonies in your life and declaring great man said to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. When he was about to leave the scene, he said. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at when he hand. Was about to leave this what a lovely said, place to be. For I am already being poured out Such as a, a drink lovely thing to do. When I saw my father two years ago, we talked, and I knew that I don't know how, many, how, much, how much longer, not that he was sick or anything, but the way we talked, somehow inside me, I didn't know how much longer I had with him. But the kind of way we talked, I knew this man was ready. I knew he was ready. Paul said, I 
I am go back to verse 6, please. He said, I have already been poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Very powerful. Verse 7. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have. Somebody say, I have. I have. When you come to the end of all this, what have what would you have done? I have. What I would have. you have done? When you Paul said, I have fought. This, what have not my husband or my wife. He didn't say, I fought my co-workers. He didn't say, I have fought people. <clears throat> I have fought what? The good fight of faith. So stop fighting the wrong persons. Stop fighting the wrong persons. I have fought the good fight of faith. I have what? Finished the race. I have what? Kept the faith. Hallelujah. I have fought the good fight of faith. I pray that God will help you to fight the good fight of faith. I, I pray that God will help you to finish your race well. Hallelujah. In due time, in the name of I Jesus. God will, help you God will keep helping us to keep the faith I in Jesus' name. Help you to finish your race he said, well. finally, there is laid up for Jesus. me. This God is what faith is all about. Let's read it together. He said, finally, there is laid up for me. Say now, say with me. Say finally, and do it like this. Say finally, there is laid up for me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. So shall it be in Jesus' name. He's talking about generations like Timothy and all those who believed in the message he left. So faith is something we must treasure. It is the foundation of everything. Without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please God. I have seen many people in this generation laboring so hard to acquire material things. And there is nothing wrong with that. Because we want to leave something for the children to come. Or the children here, or the children to come, grandchildren to come. But whatever you do, never, ever, ever forget that the first thing you need in your life and to seek to live is the legacy of faith. And may God embrace you to do so in the name of Jesus. Now, I say David was a man of integrity, and I'm sure many people would, would say, well, David, hallelujah. The reality of the fact is that David was a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity. He was a man like, like subject to like passions like us, had his faults, but bottom line and overall is that David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a man of pure and deep integrity. This is what God said concerning him when we read about him earlier on and God talking to Solomon about him in 1 Kings chapter 9 verse 4. He said that he is a man that walked integrity of heart. So this integrity is the ability to stay true to God's word regardless of circumstances. The ability to stay true to God's word regardless of circumstances. David had an opportunity to kill Saul, King Saul, who was seeking to kill him it was simple logic a man trying to kill you you have an opportunity to kill them what would you do you kill them first because they are trying to kill you not that they are just having a verbal uh, confrontation no they are actually trying to kill you the peak of integrity was demonstrated in that story in first samuel chapter 24 verse 5 the bible says david caught a section of his robe but he was even troubled about that he was troubled that he even did that and in verse 6 he said to his man he said the lord forbid that i should do this thing to my master the lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him 
seeing that he is anointed, he said to his Lord, what a man of integrity. Verse 7. So David did what? He restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. This is what integrity is. If you model, if you live and model integrity, what you will find is that your children will see it and will also desire ultimately to live and model integrity. Every one of us must understand that there is a generation that is watching us. No matter your age, you are five years old, some little kid there that can't talk right now is watching how you walk. You are ten years old, he's watching how you walk, he's watching what you do, he watch how, watches how you carry yourself. When I was growing up, my, my, my elder sister is four years older than me she lives in nigeria now but our late elder brother was eight years older than me i virtually copied him verbatim the first 10 years of my life i watched how he talked i respected him so much because he was a person of discipline he was a person who was very sharp so i liked his kind of life and i i understood from that little age that what you see i saw his mistakes and i made up my mind as a seven year old that i would not repeat some of his mistakes and it is so important that everything Thing we are doing today we must live by integrity because there's a generation that is watching us i don't know what david's servants felt on that day but i can assure you many of them saw the peak of mercy and forgiveness in action on that day we never read about them anymore but we know clearly that they saw something of their master david that was obviously going to touch them for the rest of their lives integrity is a spirit that people can see and people can touch integrity is physical as much as it is spiritual people can experience it and desire it and live it we have a duty to try to, to live it in it and also to transmit it to those that are coming after us he also demonstrated integrity even after he sinned the bible says the kid the, the prophet nathaniel came to him and told him he had sinned and when his eyes were open and God told him that the child would die, David pleaded and prayed in, in his usual way, in his humility, went to God. But God said that child was going to die. Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 19, when David saw his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said he is dead. So David, let's look at what he did in verse 20. A man of integrity. Look at that. Let's read together. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes and went where into the house of the lord and worshiped then he went down to his own house and when he requested they set food before him and he ate before that time he had not eaten food he was trying to fast seek god's face and beg but in his integrity he recognized that god's faithfulness has been proved god said that child was going to die but and David did everything he could. When God still made it come to pass, he didn't go to God and say, Oh, why? Why? I pleaded with you. Who are you? No. He went and said, Lord, here am I. And we know in Psalm 51, he prayed. He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew the right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And as, uh, um, what was the other thing? Renew, renew the right spirit within me and cast me not away from your, your presence, O God. Hallelujah. Cast me not away. That was the worship. A man of integrity will realize his mistakes, whether to his wife or to, his, to her husband or to his child or to colleagues at work and will apologize. 
will recognize his sin and will go before God. We have a, a generation that is so arrogant. We, we do the wrong things and want to justify it. We must do everything. We go and say, I am sorry, but you see, that is such, that is such arrogance and pride. We must deliver ourselves from such things. Integrity means you humble yourself, whatever it takes for you to do the right thing, regardless of circumstantial evidence. I used to have a colleague who he has left the, the, the workplace now, and uh, for some strange reason, he just had this thing for me. <laughs> I don't know what he had for me, to the point where virtually everybody we worked together knew it. But not once did I ever reply him or ever show him. In fact, the thing that used to amaze people is when we are in meetings and uh, I, I, I am asked to comment about something that has to do with him or his section, which he has. And I give the positive accolades about him. I never slagged him once. And one of my colleagues called me one day. He said, I don't think you know how this man treats you when you are not around. I say, I know everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. I learned it from my father, David. You don't give people what they deserve. You let God do that. <laughs> you give people what God say you should give to them. Forgiveness, mercy, love. That's what he commands. Every other thing, leave it in the hands of God. Did David not get to the throne at last? Did David not become king of Israel at last? I said, did he not become king of Israel at last? Yes, answer, answer very confidently. He did. He didn't have to fight for it. At due time, in due time, God brought him to that same throne. That somebody yes, was trying to kill him to get. He did. He did. You are unstoppable. I say you are unstoppable. May the grace for integrity come upon you afresh. In the name of Jesus. Finally, David was a man. Finally, as in the three points. I still have many things I will tell you. He was a man of diligence. This is careful and persistent work effort that yields desired results. David was clearly a man who had tasks to obey God, to serve God, like we saw right from the time of Goliath to the final points when he was handing over the building of the temple. David was very, very diligent with the things of God. When they were chasing him about, and he heard that some of those people in his, uh, in his, in his group went to the very dangerous place to go and get the shoe bread, and bring to him. He said, I cannot eat this and I cannot drink this water. No way. Because you guys have risked your life for my sake. Integrity and his diligence made them, made him to have to resist that temptation. Every one of us must understand that David was so diligent with the things of God and God blessed him. God blessed him immensely. In First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1. This is some of the things I've learned from David that I want every believer to understand. If you are passionate about the things of God, God will give you supernatural ways of excelling in life. No human being can explain David's wealth till today. Theologians have given all kinds of parameters, have tried, have no human being can explain David's wealth. Look at it here. He said, furthermore, King David said to the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great. Because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Verse, verse 2. Now, for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might. Somebody say diligence. David did not prepare for the temple of God with levity. 
even at the point of getting close to death where he understood that he is passing this over to his son he said i have prepared with all my might what gold for the things to be made of gold silver for the things to be made of silver bronze for the things of bronze iron for the things of iron wood onyx stones stones to be set glistening stones various colors all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance I did not give it, prepare for it sparingly with all my might. That tells me that every wealth we acquire in this life must be such that is pointing towards advancing the kingdom. If the wealth you acquire and your position in your status in society and everything God is giving to you cannot make you exit this world like this to say of a truth God has blessed me and I have made it possible for the kingdom to advance after me then that wealth is not one that is of God. Well that is truly of God must be such that we are promoting the kingdom of God. Say moreover, verse 3, because I have set my what affection on the house of my God, I have given to my the house of my God over and what above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. No wonder God said, This is a man after my own heart. Now, somebody may say with me, But Pastor Dave, I don't have gold, even the only gold chain I have is not, it's not serious gold. <laughs> I'm not asking you to go bring gold. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm only asking you a question today. What is it you are doing that is provoking the heavens about your love for God? That the children and the young people around you can see and point to the fact that truly this man and this woman is honoring God with what they have. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22. Let's read it together. We know the verse. It says, a good man, a righteous man lives an inheritance to his what? Children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. See, many people pray this kind of nonsense prayer. Say, we are coveting the wealth of sinners. That is absolute nonsense. What have you done to be coveting any any sinner's wealth? That is not what God is saying there. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And when they embrace, I'm expounding it now, when part of that inheritance is faith and they embrace the work of faith, God gives them access to the things that sinners are storing up for themselves in their own time. If you understand this, your life will never remain the same. So it's not a prayer of, oh God, I covet all the, all the, the cow of my neighbor. Ah, you want to steal? <laughs> I like that my neighbor's Ferrari. Lord, I covet it in Jesus' name. They will arrest you. You want to steal? Even by hearing that prayer, they will arrest you. And they should arrest you. Hallelujah. That's not what it means. Because that's intent. That's not what it means. The wealth of the sinner that is stored up for the righteous is to say that when the righteous walks in the ways of God, God gives him access to those things that are stored up by sinners. Because you see, the wealth of the sinners is only earthly. It's only earthly. It's it's for here. So God helps them to store it up. Remember that man that said, I will pull down my barns and build up more. What did God say? He said, you are a fool. You have no regard for God. He said, today your life will be demanded for you. And all those things you are storing up will be for other people. That is the principle. 
So when you go about saying, hey, all these sinners who don't know God and they are so wealthy, they are billionaires and they are trillionaires and they are these and zillionaires. <laughs> if we have such yet. <laughs> and you say all these things that they are making 600, 600,000 pounds every day and people are saying that this and they are atheists. In fact, they hate God. They are only storing up for the things that will advance the kingdom. Where will David get gold if some sinners did not store it up for him to have access to other two transactions? Where will he get gold? Where will he have those silver? There are things that God helps other people, makes other people store up so that you and I who name the name of the Lord can have access to them to do the work of the kingdom like David did. David did not take that, did not inherit that gold to build himself a, a palatial place that he will be living. But that gold, he gave it for the things of God. There is a way. Even the early believers showed us as God was giving them blessings and they had houses and things. The Bible says they made it available for the things of God, the things of kingdom, whereby none of them was allowed to have any lack whatsoever. Every one of us must understand this. It says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Some of us are working very hard and it's good. By the grace of God, when I came into this country, I came with just a bag and a thousand pounds. And I know people who came with hundred pounds. So I think I did better than some of them. <laughs> After their ticket, they only had one hundred pounds. And I tell you, they have gone on to survive exceedingly. Some of them are employing people today. I know them. I know them. I won't call their names, but I know them. But the truth is, that was all. But by the grace of God, I cannot leave this earth now, even physically, and say that it is at that same level again. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. So I am not undermining physical things. My children cannot start their life from where I started it from. No, it is part of what the Bible says, the part of a good man is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter. But I learned from my father's life that, as I said, when you, when you learn to make faith, I don't think my father ever at any point in time, except I, I missed it, ever had up to one million Nigerian naira in his account all his life. This may shock many people. I don't think he ever did. But hardly is there any country he didn't travel to. Hardly is there any place that matters. UN, say all those places. Hardly is there any place that matters that he never set foot on this planet. And I learned that from him. That it's not about what you are storing up. But about the store you have access to. <laughs> it's about the storehouse you have access to. It's not what you are storing up on, on earth. Give the Lord a big hand if you want to. It's about the storehouse you have access to. It's not what you're he left a piece of land for me to, give the Lord a to build a house. In fact, he had forgotten about me. He gave one to my brother, one to he my my uncle, and then his mom, my, his his wife, my mom said to him, "How about David's own? This was sometime in the eighties. I forgot it. Like King David, David of Jesse was forgotten. That's how he forgot me." <laughs> he said, "Ha, ah, that is true." Then he remembered that there was a large parcel of land towards the end of that area that he had acquired in our hometown. 
So he told me that that was mine and he marked it out. And I said to him, I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to put a structure there for you. This was, I was still a teenager when all this happened. He said, God will help you. I said, I'm going to put a structure there and this is what, blah, 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 blah. Now he said this story. So some of you who attended my 50th wedding, we took the recording. He, 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 he talked about it. I have the video clip where he said it. In fact, he reminded me. And to the glory of God, when the time came for me to do that building, it was very inspired on me. I had just about 2,000 pounds here. And I said, go and fence it properly. And I sent the money home. They did proper brick fencing. And I said, Lord, it's time to start the work. I didn't want to be sending money from here because we all live here. You, you have sufficient for the trouble of the UK is the, is the finances challenges thereof. <laughs> to be sending money to one African country. To, you know, no, no, no. You, you have to think about it. So, from nowhere, I was living in my house in Bilston at that point in time. From nowhere, a person we used to play in the same musical group, uh, um, uh, worship band, for a church in the year 1992. The pastor is still in London. He moved to London some years back. In the year 1992, 93, and most parts of 94, before December 94, called me. He was one of those. He was the drummer. I was one of the worship leaders. And he was very young then. I was already a lecturer at one of the polytechnics in that town. And he was in secondary school at that point. He just called me. He said, brother, I've been looking for your number. I said, ah, yeah, how are you? So good. What do you do now? He said, ah, I'm into projects now. I'm into contracting and we're getting some projects that have been looking for you so seriously. I said, what is there? He said, we have this job. He said, ah. He said, I don't know whether you'll be, these are his words to me, I don't know whether you'll be interested. It's worth about 2.5 billion dollars. I said, I didn't even hear, I said, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm very interested. Is it a civil engineering project? I said, yes. He said, what we need from you is for you to give us, they, they, they have mandated us that we, we have been awarded, but you have to get an expatriate project manager. And uh, they have looked, nobody would trust them and all that, but that they remembered that I was living in England and that I might be able to help. I said, I will help you. I said, even if you need an astronaut, I will give you one. <laughs> because I know where they live in America. I will go and find one for you. Ah, project manager, loads. <laughs> so I called a guy. The first one, he said, he's afraid to go to Nigeria, blah, blah. I called another guy. He was South African, but white. And um, some stereotyping thing, but then they preferred that one anyways. So I sent him. Every, they were paying him 40,000 pounds. And ever that is per year as a salary at that time. And every time they were paying him, I was getting paid. Every time they were paying him, they collected their taxes and everything. I was giving permission. This was how that house started to be built. One step at a time. One step at a time. Three years later, almost 100,000 pounds has gone into building that house without me sending anything more than that 2,000 I first started with here. Somebody say enduring legacy. I said to my father when we completed the house, I said this is a faith house because it is a house that God has provided without the sweat of any one of us. I didn't have to work. They will fly me to Nigeria to come and inspect the project because I'm the employer of their project manager now. So me too, I will hold, fold my hand like that. I'm not like one minister like that that some of you are thinking about, but I will fold my hand and say, so what is happening to section C, C, D? And the press people will say, sir, when do you think this project? I say, I will get back to my partners in England. And I'd only one partner that we are just doing this. 
Then I will bring the project manager to the screen so that they can see him very well. Now say to him, you need to speed up this thing. They are counting on us. And when I'm back on the flight and coming back, I say, God, you must be a God with a sense of humor indeed. What are you working for? God or for yourself? There is nothing that God cannot give you in this life. So I want to encourage you. Make this enduring legacy something you will pass to your persons because you have left a legacy of faith. So I want to encourage you. Prosperity is only true and enduring when the soul of man has been redeemed. Mark chapter 8, verse 36. He said, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And lose his own soul. soul Whatever you do in this life, your soul is important. Do you know that the soul, very recently, about three days ago, God showed me this. Your soul is what is prospered already. There is no true prosperity without conversion. The Bible says, God, John prayed for Elder Gaius. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may what? Prosper. That is talking about physical and so many things. Prosper and be in health. That is talking about bodily prosper. Even as what? Your soul prospers. So as a Christian, your soul is automatically prospering. But you must understand that God's desire is for you to prosper in other areas as well. Everybody that prospers in every other way and is not prospered in the soul, the Bible says that there is no profit in it. Mark 8.36, put it back for me. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, runs the most big, the biggest businesses on earth, but his soul? It's not prosperous. May God deliver every one of us from anything that will not cause our soul to be prospered. In the mighty name of Jesus, may our soul continue to prosper in the spirit. May God continue to help us thrive spiritually. In the mighty name of Jesus. And as you thrive spiritually, God will help you to live a legacy. In the mighty name of Jesus. I have many other things to say, but time is gone. I'll read very quickly Psalm 112 verse 1. It all comes by the fear of the Lord. He said, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandment. Verse 2. Verse 2. His descendants will be what? Mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be what? Will be blessed. Your generation will be blessed. He said, wealth and riches will be where? In his house. And his righteousness endures forever. I have defined wealth and riches for you in this kingdom. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. The Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. So that you, having a sufficiency in all things at all times, will be able to abound unto every good work. Wealth is not measured in terms of money. There was a time in this same country, I would give my wife five pounds to go to Asda to find something to cook for us. I'm not a wicked man. It's because that's what I had. There was a time. There was a time. There was a time. There was a time. By the grace of God today, if I give her 50 pounds, I can't say I've given her money because the size of what we need to sort out is plenty. The truth of the matter is that wealth and riches will always be in your house. Whatever God puts in your hand will always be sufficient. She will go without five pounds and buy chicken wings and make some kind of peanut soup for us. And she will cook it and we will eat it. My tummy will project like that. For the next 24 hours, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Today we can go to any restaurant and eat. can go to any restaurant by the grace of God. Don't kill yourself over anything. 
Kill yourself. Today we can go to Kill yourself. And eat. Don't ride the car you cannot ride yet. Don't live in the house you cannot live in yet. When we were living in one bedroom, if you come to my house now and say, ah, Pastor, I like this your house. It's six bedrooms. Ah, room here, room there. There was a time I was living in in this same country, one room. When you enter like that, all your life is there. One corner is the kitchen, the other corner is the bedroom. This side is one setting like that. Wonderful house. Hallelujah. And there was one young man, very young man, he was about two years old, living with us there. Because our toilet was very far. I won't tell you who that young man is, but because our toilet was very far, I always said to the young man, I said, when you need the toilet, I'm tired of carrying you upstairs to the, to the toilet that they gave to us because we have to climb upstairs. I put one small bottle under the sink. I said, use it, my friend. Use it. So the young man liked it. He would bring it out and use it. I said, but when we have visitors, if you go there... Liked it. He said, as he understood, he said, perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we are alone, he just goes, does his thing, he puts it back there. One day we had a visitor. Oh, the young man forgot completely. He, and before I could turn my eye, he has already started. I said, stand to your feet and let's pray. <laughs>